You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Terry Riley, which is from our sermon series, Good Things from a Bad Time. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to Creekside Online. We're glad that you're here and uh, joining with us. I hope you're ready for a new year. We want to talk about uh, some good things that come from bad times. And obviously, we've been through some difficult times. I mean, have you ever had a really bad day, really bad week, maybe a really bad month? I mean, you're really going through it. And some friend or family member or some church person comes up to you and they say, I've got a verse for you. It's called Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love Jesus and are called according to his purposes. And you look at them and you smile and you really want to say, go eat a bag of worms or something. Because when everything is going up and to the right for you, that's a great verse. But when you're struggling and you're facing difficult, hard times, you really don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear somebody, hey, listen, don't worry about it. All things are going to work together for good. You know what? If you're like me, you just want the good. I don't want the verse, Lord, just give me the good. Well, last week we read this verse and we noted that people really do struggle with this verse, 828, in difficult times because they don't continue to read verse 29, which says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus. And see, that gives us really not just the verse, but the why. Why do we face these difficult times? So I want to note three things from these verses that are foundational to our belief system that moves this verse from a coffee cup cliche to a truth that really can't help us and encourage us as we go through difficult times or bad times. And I want us to look at the good things that come from it. But first thing you see here uh, in this verse is that it's a promise. And here's the promise. And we know this is a promise. It doesn't say we think, we hope. Man, I sure hope that things work out. Let's wait and see. Uh, But it's a declarative promise that I know. I'm convinced because my father in heaven can be trusted. Now, there's two kinds of promises in the scripture. There's conditional promises that have conditions to them. Uh, An example might be Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, uh, where it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust in him and he will direct your paths. So what's the condition? Well, the condition is that you trust in him, lean into him with all your heart, not some kind of haphazard relationship where you brush into him on Sunday morning, but you're really leveraging your relationship with him to trust in him and to walk with him, not just this thing of convenience. But without that trust, without walking with him, his direction probably won't happen for you. That's the condition. Lean and trust. But but there's also unconditional promises in the scriptures that you have nothing to do with. An example of that might be Acts chapter 2, where it says, In the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Another unconditional promise is the second coming of Jesus Christ, where Jesus even said, I don't know, only the Father knows the time when I'm going to come. 
You can pray, you can get a group together, you can believe and you can hope, uh, but none of that is going to change the date that the Father has established in heaven. So those are unconditional promises. And this is a great promise that we're reading today, that we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to his likeness. No matter what you're going through, what you're facing, the bad days, bad times you're experiencing, you don't have to worry because God will work his way in and through whatever you're facing if you'll lean into him. I don't care if it's pandemic. I don't care if it's politicians. I don't care if it's politics, any problem. God says, I am at work for those who love me and are called according to my purposes. I love what Corey Ten Boom said as she was talking about Psalm 91. She said, we are covered by the wings of God. But when you are covered, even though you're covered by his wings, it can still get pretty dark. Boy, isn't that true? We know God's with us working through us. We may not understand what he's doing, but here's the truth, loved ones. We can trust in his protective and covering promises. So this is a promise. Secondly, it's a, it talks about the purpose that God has for us. According to his purpose. The idea is something that he's preparing beforehand. Never forget, loved ones, God is at work in you. God's in work in me. God's at work in us. He's totally involved. He's preparing things in our lives, speed bumps, obstacles, uh, difficulties. But he's arranging and he's preparing beforehand the way that you're to go about life and to fulfill his purposes. I travel uh, with our missions board. And it's interesting that whenever we take a, a large trip, boy, they give us an itinerary. They got information and times. At this time, you got to be here. At this time, your flight's there. We're going to meet here as a group here. We're going to eat here together. We're going to pray here together. And it's just all lined out. It makes it so wonderful. I hardly have to think. I just got to look at my sheet. They probably figure I'm going to get lost. But it's so helpful. See, when you're going through a tough time, thank the Father because you know what? He's at work. He's at work in your life, developing your life. There's no surprises to God. He's arranged it and he's arranging things in your life. And that should bring each one of us peace. And there's also not just a promise, but a purpose, but there's the project. What's the project? All things in your life. Are you just a little bit like me that you love the good things, but you really don't care about the bad things? But you see, God doesn't give us the option. He says, I am at work. I am arranging all things. See, the development of my life and my faith, the development of your life and your faith, it starts with the Lord, that he knows what you need. He knows what I need. And he's going to begin to fashion and arrange things. He's going to establish this project to accomplish our salvation, the fullness of our salvation, who we're becoming, and the purpose of our life and what we're doing to bring healing in our lives. See, never forget that this whole walk with Jesus, it is not a one-time event. It is a continual journey until the day we die. 
See, it's so easy for us to focus on the Kodak, Kodak moments and the pictures that are taken at a time in our life. <laughs> Take 2020, for instance. And we can so, get so focused on that that we forget that our life is a feature film. And this will not be every day. This will not be every year. So as we enter a new year, I want us to look at some of the good things that come from the bad times that we face because we can be convinced that God is at work in your life and mine. What are some of those things that can take place? What are some of those things, those difficult, bad things that happen that can bring forth good things? These bad things can produce conviction in our life. One of the good things about bad times is they produce conviction. It's during uh, these past years, past few years, I've had to run to the Lord more than ever to pursue him and his righteousness like never before. It's amazing because I read and I see a good number of high profile and, and gifted pastors and leaders falling by the wayside. They're making headlines, some of them because they are choosing willfully to sin and to turn away from God. Some of them are even turning away completely from the faith and say, I've been, it's been a ruse for me. I, I, I don't believe it. Hundreds of pastors are leaving the ministry every month because of COVID. People, they say, research is saying that hundreds of church people are leaving all the time because of COVID. Sadly, the collateral damage of this is so far-reaching on families and churches, really, ultimately, our society. So how do these bad things become or bring good things. Well, they, they press us. They press us to follow the Lord and to look at what are the true convictions of our life. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 says that we are to examine ourselves to see where we are in the faith. And I've, and I've done that because as I see all of these other people that are so much more gifted than I am, so much, um, seems so much more significant than I could ever be and they're falling, and I'm looking at myself and say, oh God, don't let me go there. And I don't say that to judge them, but I say, man, if they can fall, how in the world can I ever make it? And so these times cause us to really evaluate our convictions and to run to Jesus and to say, Lord, I just need you. I need you to really reinforce the convictions of my life, of your word. Protect me from falling and from walking away from the truth and to live with even greater convictions before you. Ah, you know this. Sin is so deceptive. I remembered this quote and I had to look it up and I had a couple of words and I looked it up, a quote from some years ago, and it says this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more then you want to pay. See, that's why during bad times, one of the good things is, is that we can reinforce our convictions. Sadly, I had just written the first part of this point, and when I looked up this quote, attribution was giving to a very renowned Christian apologist who died this year, who's been under investigation uh, for sexual impropriety for a number of years. In his death, it hasn't gone away, and they're still investigating him. See, loved ones, sin has a cost. But these times, we look around and we learn, and we want to establish deeper convictions in our lives as we live for Jesus so that we're 
not going to be falling away, walking away, turning our back. So bad times can produce the good thing of stronger convictions. It can also produce honesty. Uh, bad times can produce honesty. When in the fire, when you're in the heat of tough times, you discover things as the dross of your life begins to come to the surface. Bad times show your attitudes that you have toward things, toward people. Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you loving? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Or are you becoming more critical, more negative, more frustrated? See, bad, difficult times always expose those and they lead us to become more honest about who we are and where we are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's probably why James 1 says, count it all joy, brethren, when you face difficult trials. Or Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where it says, And we rejoice in our afflictions because why? They produce some good things. What are the good things that bad afflictions uh, build? Well, it says you'll have endurance, which will lead to proven character and a work of the Spirit within us because of those afflictions or bad times. They show us, you know what? We haven't arrived we're still on the journey. There's still works of the spirit that God wants to do and accomplish in and, and through us. And bad times can also produce great priorities. It's oftentimes during these times, the difficult, tough times that you discover what your priorities really are, who the Lord, what the Lord of your life really is. I don't know about you, but remember when you first came to Jesus and it seemed like he took care of everything and did everything for you? And you just, every time you had a problem, every time something come up that was difficulty, what did you do? Well, you turned to Jesus and said, Lord, I really need your help. I need your help with this bill. I need your help with this relationship. I need your, I need your direction for this point in my life. But, but over time, isn't there that kind of that, that slow shift that takes place where you start to look to other things, you start to look to yourself, you start to find other ways to meet your needs? You really begin to believe that maybe the world has the answers and a lot of times we begin to get focused on things around us that we think we need or we really want. And here's the truth, loved ones. If you're not satisfied with what you have, you'll never be satisfied with what you'll get later. And, and that's why our satisfaction is so important that it's found in Jesus, that he becomes the priority and purpose of our life. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 10 through 13. It says, when the Lord your God brings you, God's talking to his people as he's moving them into the promised land. He says, when the Lord your God brings you to the land that he swore to your fathers that he would give you, a land with large and beautiful cities you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, wells dug that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and when you eat and you're satisfied, be careful. Be careful. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forget the priority and the person who brought you here and brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. Wow. See, prosperity in good times have an incredible capacity to lead us into independence 
self-sufficiency. That's what the Lord's warning his people of in that passage. See, when difficult, bad times come, I'm going to have to really decide what's really important. Isn't it easy for our priorities to shift or change when times are so good? So many things become less of a priority and we become kind of slack. Our spirituality, our growth, our church life becomes kind of based on convenience. But it's times like this that we've been in when we're getting squeezed and all around us and difficult times, our priorities get truly exposed. The story of a family had this multi, multi-million, beautiful home. And they had a person that walked in one time. I mean, this was an opulent home, many rooms. And I mean, it was just ornate to the max. And uh, this person walked into their home and uh, they took him in to seat him in their living room. And on their living room table, this ornate, beautiful marble table uh, was this peanut butter jar that was all yucked up with mud and peanut butter. And in it were some wilted roses. I mean, totally out of place for this home. And uh, the person that's sitting down, he goes, yeah, just a question. Uh, that little ornament or ornament piece there doesn't seem to fit in here. Why is it there? And the wife said, well, it's there so that people like you would ask when they come in. See, a number of years ago, we were building a business and we wanted to build this home and we wanted it to be beautiful and we wanted to build our business, obviously, so that we could afford it. We had two sons then. One of them, as we were so consumed with what we were doing, the things that we were trying to establish, well, he ended up getting involved in drugs. And four years ago, he OD'd and died. And we realized that our priorities at that time had been misplaced. It was about a year ago that our other younger son came in from outside and he brought this peanut butter jar in filled with peanut, dirty with peanut butter and mud. But he brought those beautiful roses in. We put that here and that will be here till the day that I die because I never want to forget that what's really important right now is my relationship with that son. Doesn't matter about this house. Doesn't even matter about our business. And I want people to know when they come over here, what's really important and what the priority of our life is, is the relationships around us. It's my son. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to forget that. I don't want people to forget that. Have you found, are you finding that relationships really are more and more important in these last months? Obviously, we can't gather as often. We can't see each other in person. But are you getting more value out of relationships and seeing the value of them? See, two things that are going to be in heaven that we can actually apprehend and use right now. God's word, the Bible. Heaven's going to be run by God's word and people. That's what's going to fill heaven alongside the glory of God. See, loved ones, when difficult times, when bad times come, it really causes us to want to recalibrate and make sure that our focus 
and our priorities are in place and we're looking at people, not things. And we come and we declare to the Lord that you're the Lord of my life and I need a relationship with you and with people around me. At difficult, bad times, they can also produce change and growth in our lives. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it so well. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, uh, but he shouts in our pain. And, And there's really two or three sources of pain in our life. There's what I've done to myself with my choices and the decisions that I make. What others have done to us. And a lot of times we can't control that. And then there's just the circumstances of life that are happening around me. Uh, You probably could parenthetically insert there, pandemic. We have no control over that. But on those first two, the things that I do to myself and what others have done to me, the pathway to restoration will always to be a forgiving person to those who have done me wrong. And when I've done stuff wrong and I've caused my own problems as we come to this place of repentance where we understand that and we begin to move another direction toward God. Because it's always going to be in those times. It's in these difficult times that we are most open to change. C.S. Lewis says, pain pain insists upon being attended to. And when you're in pain, when I'm in pain, we're listening. And bad times make us open to that. Second Corinthians three seventeen and 18 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all with unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed. We're being changed from glory to glory because this is from the Lord, the spirit. He says from glory to glory. The idea there is from experience to experience. The good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the problems that we face. He says when you come to those times, if you want to look more like Jesus, look at Jesus and the glory of his life that he brings to you and to me. It is there as we look to him that we begin to be transformed and changed into the power of his life as we look to him and listen to him. When we look to Jesus and our life is exposed to his life, he comes, loved ones. I say it all the time, but he comes not to take away the troubles or the difficulties or maybe even the bad days, but he comes to give us a guided tour through it. Because this is the way as we walk with him and listen to him, the spirit begins to lead us and we begin to be changed. That word there, transformed, comes uh, from the word metamorphosis. It's the picture that all of us think of when we think of metamorphosis of a caterpillar being transformed, changed, metamorphosized into a beautiful butterfly. I remember when we lived in Lodi, uh, we ended up renting from uh, one of the most godly families in, in the church at Lodi, or at least from our perspective, just a very godly family, John Roseberry and... Um, and we just, we lived out in kind of the, almost the middle of this little vineyard. And uh, we had this little home and had our kids there. And uh, our, our, our oldest son one day went out and he found this, I was talking to John there and he found this little caterpillar uh, in the cocoon. 
And he went and picked it up and he brought it over to us. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this off. I want to see, I want to see the, the, the caterpillar. And John said, son, don't do that. And he goes, well, why, why can't I do it? And he goes, because if you pull that off, you will take away the very thing that that, that caterpillar has to fight through and grow through and work through and struggle through to make it a butterfly so that it can fly strong. See, it's the same way with us loved ones. So often we want to cut away the things in our life that are forcing us to face the things that God wants to do in our lives and produce growth and change. See, I want to be a man who moves in the power of God. I talk to people all the time that want to have ministry and influence. I hope you do in different areas of your life. I'm not talking about marquee ministry, but don't we all, we want to to experience the power of God in our lives and have influence in ministry. But, but, But here's the thing. It only happens, the process is through growth. It's kind of like the, that, that caterpillar becoming a butterfly. We got to struggle. We got to work. We got to fight through. We got to endure. And I tell people, you want to grow in ministry and maturity? Here's how it happens. This will make you really happy. God wants, will probably enlarge your troubles. Psalm 25, 17 says, the troubles of my heart. David speaking says, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. And here's what happens. As our troubles or difficulties are enlarged, and I've said it before, and I really believe that the church is going through some of this because God wants to enlarge the heart and ways of the church. And he wants to do that for you and me. He enlarges you because as we handle things in the might and strength of his power, we grow and we learn. I was at a pastor friend's father's funeral, who the father was also an open Bible pastor. I'll never forget, he said this, and I, I was sitting there, and I took out a pen, and I wrote it down, because his dad used to say all the time, the reward for a job well done is a larger job. I thought, wow, that is so true. That is God's kingdom in a nutshell. You got a Bible verse for that? Yeah, let me give it to you. Look at Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 11, uh, the parable of the pounds. Look at Matthew 25, where it talks about the parable of the talents. The one who did more was given more responsibility. See, that's what God does. Sometimes we face these difficulties because God says, I want to enlarge you. I want to enlarge your ministry. I want to enlarge your influence on the people around you. See, he is there in the good and the bad because his goal, loved ones, is ultimately for our growth and our maturity. His life and his calling for us is that we become secure, committed to growing in him. And another thing that this will provide for us is good things will produce security. We we get to really experience security in these troubled times, and we begin to understand that God is my father and can be trusted. Wayne Cordero said it this way, often we don't know Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. How true is that? Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. David is speaking this psalm. He's singing it and he says, whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold in my life. Whom 
of whom should I be afraid? I remember that uh, years ago, and it's probably about uh, 1997, 98, because of where we lived, and um, our boys had, our oldest son had a paper route, and I would take him three days a week because it was uh, the Martinez Gazette and it only went three days a week. But I'd take him three days a week and we would deliver the papers. Uh, And his paper, his route happened to be in the bowels of Martinez. And uh, this one morning, we're driving around. It was a summer morning, so it was fairly comfortable. And uh, he's in his bare feet as he just got, gets out of bed, and we jump into the car and start throwing the papers. Well, for whatever reason, I just had like a dumb moment. And uh, I was driving and throwing a paper, and all of a sudden, I hit a curb, and I blew out the right front tire of our car. And uh, it's three or four in the morning, so there's no place to go. Uh, Because like I said, I was in the bowels of Martinez. It was just on a street somewhere. And um, so I had to pull it over, and we had to walk. This is before the advent of cell phones being common and everybody having one. So we literally had to walk probably a couple of miles to get up to a main area where we could use a phone and, and call Trina. And as we're getting out of the car, he goes, Dad, I don't have any shoes. And you know, it's kind of dark. I don't know that I feel really comfortable. I don't know where I am. So this is what I did. I looked at him and I said, okay, Joel, here's my shoes. I'll walk barefoot. And just know, you may not know where you are, but I do. And just stay with me and we'll get to a phone and get some help. You know what he did? Jumped out put on my shoes, and uh, we just walked together. See, that's what we have in our Heavenly Father. We have this incredible security. See, loved ones, don't ever get too big or know so much that you don't need the security of your Heavenly Father in difficult, dark, bad times. If you want to grow in security, here's where I've been spending some time. Psalms 23 through Psalm 29. Uh, those six chapters are so powerful. David is speaking and he declares and he sings out to God. God, you're my shepherd. You're the shepherd of security, the shepherd that leads me. You're the one that guides me. You're the one that I trust. You're the one that tests me. You're the one that examines me. Oh, and you faithfully have compassion toward me and love for me. David says, you're my light and you're my stronghold. David went through some really difficult, tough times, but he knew his heavenly father was there and he was secure in that. Here's the last one for dark, difficult, hard times produce good hope. When you're trapped in the tunnel of trouble, stressed out, burned out, worn out, just plain tired out, you know what's needed? You need hope. You need hope to blow fresh winds of energy into your life. And here's one of my favorite verses, Colossians 1.27. It says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You want hope? Make sure Christ is in you. Walk with him. Stay close to him. Sometimes we forget that our greatest hope is in Christ. This Christ that is in us, but also resides in heaven. Are are there times, you ever gone through, there's times where I've kind of kidded, but I'm probably pretty serious about it, where I say, you know, uh, during this last eight months, wouldn't it be nice if Jesus just came 
these difficult days, these tough times? Wouldn't this be just a wonderful time for Jesus to appear and take his church home? Uh, Titus 2.13, Paul calls that our blessed hope of his appearing. Um, John the apostle put it this way in 1 John 3, when he's talking about keeping our focus on Jesus in his appearing, he says, this will have a purifying effect on your life. See, as you live each day with this hope, not only that Jesus is in you, but that he's coming again, or you're going to go see him. Uh, you know what it's going to do? It's going to teach you to live as you should every day. And hear me, loved ones, no matter how tough things are, no matter what we face, the Lord has provided a way for us. He stands with us and he gives us hope in the face of anything and in the face of everything. Maybe you're unemployed now. Hope gets you out of bed looking for a job. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Hope refuels you to stay in recovery. Maybe you've had to say goodbye to somebody on this earth, someone that you love deeply. Hope helps you navigate the pain and the grief. Maybe you've had some bad times of sin and failure. You know what? Hope gets us up and to stare sin in the face and said, not anymore, you're not my friend. What's that hope? Hope in you is Christ who brings us and empowers us. Remember the cross was the worst thing that this world has seen. Oh, but it was such a good thing for us where Jesus died for our sins. And then he resurrected to give every one of us hope and the power to live in the dynamic of his life and spirit. There's a lot of things, loved ones, that are overrated in life. Hope isn't one of them. A lot of us have had some bad and difficult things this past year. Truth is, we may not see significant change early on in 2021. But I want to remind you today that there's a lot of good things that can come from bad, difficult times. And it starts with understanding Christ in you is your greatest hope. I want to take a moment and I want us to pray. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' strong name today. We ask that you would speak to us. And Lord, some of us have had so many difficult, bad things happen. I pray, God, that first and foremost, people would experience the presence of your life today. And if you're here today and maybe you don't have that hope, you haven't been able to experience that hope in these last nine months. What a great way to start 2021 out and say, today I choose Jesus. I want to experience the hope of glory in me, which is the person of Jesus Christ, the one who died for you, came to forgive your sins and to give you purpose and destiny and to take all these bad things and to make them good. If that's you today, I want to invite you to do two simple things. Uh, number one, I'm going to finish my prayer and I invite you just to pray with me and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? I, I want to follow you today. It's a decision that I'm going to make. And on the computer screen there or wherever you're watching, there's an opportunity that you can just 
click on it and say, today I choose Jesus. Maybe you're here. Maybe you have been a follower of Jesus. But like some of the people that has been researched, you started to move away. Click on there and say, today I choose to follow again. Come back. Father, we come today. I thank you for this time. I pray, Lord, that people that are watching today would make those decisions to say, I follow Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that for the church, Creekside Church, people watching, the church in our nation, the church in this world would understand that we are the people that have hope and we can see in the midst of every bad and difficult thing that we face, there is a God at work. And so, Lord, help us to see that. And I pray, Lord, that 2021 will be a year that not only do we navigate, but we move forward in the things of God. We thank you for that and believe for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You're loved.